But we are finishing up our series called Revolution today. And for those of you that uh, may not have been with us or have slept since the last time, we uh, were here together. Our definition of revolution is a far-reaching and drastic change in ideas and methods, a fundamental change in the way that we think about a subject. And our foundational scripture has been Romans 12, 2, and I've taken that out of the New Living Translation, that says, don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. This revolution that we are talking about is changing the way that we think. Even what Ashley was talking about this morning was changing the way that you think. The enemy will try to identify you as something. He'll try to tell you this is who you are. But God says, don't follow that pattern. That's the pattern that the world follows. Allow the Lord to change the way you think and to identify you for you. Amen. All right. So we've talked about um, over the last few weeks that... Uh, to be revolutionary, we live a life of sacrifice, that we have a warrior's heart, and that we have an uncommon commitment to the cause. And this morning, we're going to finish up with a revolutionary has a high expectation. Amen. Revolutionaries have high expectations. So we're going to be, uh, our scripture this morning is going to be out of Isaiah chapter 60, if you want to turn over there. And as you're finding that, I want to tell you a quick story. When I was somewhere around seven years old, on the 4th of July, and those of you that have spent uh, summers in Texas on the 4th of July realize that it is hot and it is dry. And for some reason, as I was playing with bottle rockets and Roman candles and all these things that seven-year-olds probably shouldn't have, but remember, it was the late 70s. <laughs> uh, I decided that the, the house across the street was in great need of bombardment. I don't know what sin they had committed, but they were going to be attacked by the army of me. So I started sending bottle rockets and Roman candle fire against my enemy. And being hot and dry in Texas, you know what's coming. A little blaze started that turned to a little bit bigger blaze. And being a responsible seven-year-old, what I did was I just walked in the house and sat down and acted like nothing was going on. <laughs> Until my dad and my uncle start looking out the front window and that's on fire over there. So they ran over there and they, they put out the fire. Thankfully, it didn't get too big. And um, I got my just rewards. Let's put it that way. Yes. The way you should be doing with your children today. They, they call it abuse today. But I got, I, 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 my dad did what dads do. And I got exiled for the rest of the day. Well, yeah, probably. It felt like the rest of the day. I was probably sitting in a room for 30 minutes or an hour. But to a seven-year-old, that is the rest of the day, right? But you know what? The next day, 
I was no longer in exile. The next day I was brought back out. The next day there was no more punishment. It's not like that for the rest of my life I was never able to play with fireworks again. And I tell that whole story just to kind of set the, the scene for what's, what's being talked about in Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah lived in a time when uh, the, the, the children of Israel, really it was Judah, they had already split into two nations, and, and Judah was not following the Lord. And Isaiah was the prophet that prophesied that Judah would be sent into exile. And he spends a good deal of time prophesying that in Isaiah. But when we get to Isaiah chapter 60, he's talking about, hey, when you get to come back out of the room, <laughs> when there is no more punishment, when dad's not upset anymore. <laughs> so that's what we're looking at. When, when, when we're reading over these, the, these few scriptures, understand that this is the Lord prophesying over his kids. And we know that, yes, this was spoken to Judah, to Israel at the time, but it's still for us today. Correct? You believe that? That the word of the Lord was not just written. Sometimes we look at the Old Testament and we think that, oh, well, that's just, that's just the history. That's the history book. But we take the Old Testament and we apply it to us today. So as we begin to look at these few scriptures, hear them. Hear them for you. But I'm going to ask you to do something else as well. Take a step higher. Don't just see it for you. You know, we come together and the Lord wants to minister to you. He does. But we're going to take a step higher today too. And I want you to see it for us. For us as New Covenant Church. Hear what the Lord is saying to you about you. Because He's going to be speaking to you this morning. But also hear what the Lord is saying about New Covenant Church. Okay? So starting in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. It says, Arise, Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. As we go through these scriptures, I'm going to give you six things, six expectations that I believe that the Lord is giving us, okay? So here's the first one. Let me read the scripture again. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Here's expectation number one. Expect the glory of the Lord. Expect the glory of the Lord. In the Old Testament, when, the, when they had just built the temple and the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord came into the house, it was so strong that it said that people couldn't even stand to minister. The glory of the Lord is real and very tangible. Now, I want to break down this scripture. I'm not going to do this with, with everyone, but I just want you to see this real quickly. Going back and taking some of the Hebrew words out of, out of this verse. Arise. The Hebrew translates, stand up. To come on the scene. To become powerful. So the Lord was, yes, He was speaking to His children then, but He's speaking to His children now. Okay? He is still saying this to us. And He's saying it to us individually. And we need to hear it individually, but he's speaking to us as a body as well. That's right. 
Stand up. Come on the scene. Become powerful. Shine. Give light like the sun. And the glory, the glory, the honor, the splendor, the reverence. This one surprised me. It even means abundance. There is an abundance in our God. Amen. Has risen upon you, risen to come forth, to break out, to shoot forth as beams. That's kind of cool. So this is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, stand up. Talking to you. If you're in this love relationship with Jesus Christ, He's talking to you. Stand up. Come on the scene. Be powerful. Give light like the sun. The light that's in you, let it shine like the sun. Because the glory of the Lord... His honor, His splendor, His reverence, His abundance has risen, has come forth, has broken out, is shooting out of you like beams. That's a lot better than the way that you're acting. <laughs> That's who you are. Do you realize who you are? Do you realize who God has recreated you to be? I'm not talking about who you were born, that human being that you were born to be. It doesn't really matter what circumstances you were born into. It's the circumstances you were reborn into. You got that? It's who you were reborn to be. It's not just for the ones that get to, oh, they're so anointed, they get to stand on the stage. You people know me. <laughs> right? It's not because I get to stand on the stage. It's because I get to stand next to my father. It's because I have my brother that sticks closer to me than anything else. He loves me. It's because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's so good I started spitting. That's who you are. So is, we're, we're going to finish up the rest of these. I promise you the, the, the next few verses are not going to take as long. But I want you to hear that. He's talking to you. He's talking to you and he's talking to us. So glory comes through intimacy. We want the glory of the, of the Lord to rise upon us, but it comes through intimacy. John 17, 5 says, And now, Father, this is Jesus praying, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus was not seeking more power, more honor, more majesty. What he wanted was intimacy with his Father. And that's where the glory is coming. When it says the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, we are coming in, into a relationship with our Father. And it can be seen. Nothing else in life matters except intimacy, intimacy with God. Everything else that we do flows out of that intimacy with God. This world is desperately looking for intimacy, desperately looking for intimacy, and they don't know how to find that intimacy. That's why they bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. But it was put in you, that, that hunger and that need for intimacy was put in you by God and it can only be filled by God. This woman right here, I remember the day 
On June 23rd, 1990, yes, just a couple of weeks from now, I will have been married to this beautiful woman for 26 years. 26 years, I remember the day when I was standing up on the platform and they start the music and those doors open up and there's an angel standing there. Dressed in white. And you know what? My heart didn't go, huh, yeah, cool. That's what we do sometimes when the Lord opens the door and wants to step in. We're going, hey, God, how you doing? No, I look back there and I go, oh, my gosh, I love that woman. I love her. Oh, I love her. And the more time I spend with her, the more I love her. That's different than the, what the world says, too. The world says you hang out with them too much, you won't like them anymore. But she's stuck with me. She has no choice. I'm not leaving. I couldn't find anybody else that would put up with me like she does. I love her. It comes through intimacy. 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 And the Lord wants to come in, and He wants His glory to be seen on you. But it comes through intimacy. We have got to be with the Father. I'm obviously typing. Undo. Okay. Let's move on to verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and the glory will be seen upon you. Here's expectation number two. Expectation number two. First we expected God's glory. Now this time, expect it to truly be on you. If you didn't hear it the first time, hear it the second time. God had to say it twice. He said it twice in two verses. I want the glory of the Lord to be on you. I want the glory of the Lord to be on you. I want the glory of the Lord to be on you. So sometimes I can sit here and I go, well, I can expect the glory of the Lord. But the second time, expect it on you. Truly expect it on you. Let's talk about my wife again. I remember the perfume she was wearing on the day that we got married. I do. I love that perfume. She doesn't like it anymore. She wants to wear other things. But you know what? I can still smell that perfume today, and it does something on the inside of me. It does. It stirs emotions on the inside of me. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. You ever hugged on somebody that was wearing perfume or cologne or something? And you can smell it later? I'm serious. The world needs you to hug them. We need to be hugging on some people. And the fragrance of Jesus is going to go with them because the glory's on you. The glory's on you. And every time they smell that fragrance, they're going to have that same reaction I have when I, smelled, when I could smell that perfume that Lisa was wearing. 
It changes. Something goes on. Hug somebody in the name of Jesus today. Love somebody in the name of Jesus today. Verse 3. And the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Expectation number three. Expect new people. Expect new people. I didn't get a loud amen off that one. Thank you, Kenny, for trying. Expect new people. Expect new people here. In this church. With us. I would get on my proverbial soapbox right now, but I've never actually seen one, and I don't know why they stood on them. Expect new people here. If our expectation is that, that our piece of Jesus is worth exporting, that the reason that we come to church is worth coming to church, not just so there can be another church in Tyler, Texas, because God knows they need another one. <laughs> if our expectation is that what we have is worth somebody else having, expect new people. Expect people to be here. Act like we're not surprised. (laughs) Do the things that it's going to take to help people come in. You know, I've talked to plenty of people. They, I just don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel. Bring them here. We'll share it. I mean it. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm telling you, if you bring somebody, we will love them in the name of Jesus. And it'll be a credit for you in heaven. We won't even take the credit. We'll give you full credit. Amen. That's right. Do what it takes. And what that's going to take here, I'm talking, I'm talking to NCCers. If you're a guest here this morning, excuse me for just one second. You can put your fingers in your ears if you want to. Now, the staff has heard this. They hear it all the time. But I want you to hear it. We have to break small church mentality. Small church mentality is I can come in whenever I want to. I can sit wherever I want to. I can do whatever I want to. Why? It's my church. It's my family. It's my family. You know, when you go home, you kick off your shoes, you may sit around in your underwear. I don't know. But if I'm coming over to your house, I would appreciate you putting your pants back on. Okay? And that's the way that we need to be here. We don't need to feel like we can just come in here and kick our, kick our shoes off and sit around the way that we want to. No, we're expecting new people. Amen. So if that means move up, move in. Amen, brother. So our guests have a place to sit. We need to do that. If that means that we have to serve on Sundays. Oh, I don't know about that one. y'all got quiet again (laughs) guess what saved people serve people and we serve on Sundays saved people serve people and we serve on Sundays listen to me okay thank you every Sunday 
will be somebody's first time to be our guest. Every Sunday will be somebody's Sunday to be saved, healed, set free. Every Sunday is our Super Bowl. Everything else that we do flows out from Sunday. We don't get to take a Sunday off. I tell the VIP team all the time, this is not just another Sunday. We don't have just another Sunday. This is somebody's day today. That's why we serve on Sundays. I know you don't stand around your house and just open doors all day long going, I just love doing this. But guess what? On Sundays, that's what we do. We open the door and we greet people. Why? Because we are removing obstacles to them connecting with God and others. And we do it with the big smile and we do it with the love of Jesus. We serve on Sundays. We need you on Sundays. And you may say, well, I serve on this team or that team. Well, this team or that team may not be operating on Sunday. Once again, this team or that team wouldn't even be operating if it wasn't for Sunday. There you go. Expect new people. Okay? All right, I will get off my soapbox. Let's move on. Verse 4. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Expectation number four. Expect spiritual sons and daughters. We don't want just new people. We want people getting saved. We want people getting saved. We want people coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you remember what it was like when you came into that relationship with Jesus? I do. I do, and it still excites me. All these years later, it excites me. I want people to experience Jesus because it radically changed me. We need to have that expectation. We need to be praying. As a body, don't leave it to just the pastors, please. Don't just leave it to the pastors. We pray for new people. We pray for people to be saved. I'm challenging you, body, you, you. Pray for people to be saved through this ministry. Pray for people. Pray for people to be discipled. Pray for people to be discipled through this ministry. If everybody said, Lord, I just want one person. Just give me one person. I don't know how many people are in here. We'll just say 130. If everybody said, Lord, I just want one person. Just one person. Just one person that I can bring to church. Just one person that I can help lead to the Lord. Just one person that, that needs to experience love like I've experienced love. Just one person that needs to be set free like I was set free. Just one person. We wouldn't have room to put them. And that would be a good problem, right? Amen. 
So I'm challenging you. One person. One person. Think about it. Pray about it. You may say, I don't know anybody that doesn't go to church. I don't know anybody that's not a Christian. I know we live in the Bible Belt. Everybody's saved. Well, maybe you just haven't met them yet. Scripture says that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Do you really desire to see somebody else ministered to and set free? Then tell the Lord that's the desire of your heart. One person. One person. One person. Everybody say, one person. One person. Okay. Verse 5. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, which means be joyful, because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Here's expectation number five. Expect provision. Expect provision. Expect provision in your house. Our God's not broke. Our God's not stingy. Our God is not holding out on you. Expect provision. Expect what you need. But once again, join with us and expect what the church needs. Pastor Sam and I were up at Christ for the Nations Institute just a few months back. And we got to go to lunch with the uh, director up there, Dr. Holler. And we were sitting in the car after lunch and we just had this, having conversation. And it was almost like just out of the blue, he said something. It had nothing to do with anything that we were talking about. I was wondering if he was having a senior moment at first. But he starts telling us about his friend who's a billionaire. And he said his friend told him that if people come and ask him for a million dollars, he doesn't even listen to them. He doesn't even get interested until they're asking him for $10 million. I don't have that problem. I'm not even interested if you're asking me for $10, okay? So. But then he said something that I don't think... He was just talking. But it so grabbed me. He said, so... I believe that it's easier to ask for 10 million than 1 million. Could we join our faith together and believe God for 10 million dollars to do what God has called this church to do? Could we? Think of the things that we could do with that. Think of the ministries we could launch with that. It's not just so we can build a big building. If we are moving from this building to the new building just to move, we're wasting money and time. But if we really believe 
that there is kingdom purpose in our move. And symbolically, this is like us crossing the Jordan, going into the promised land. Then it's time to take some ground for God. You believe that? So I'm asking you to pray for one person. I'm asking you to pray for $10 million. I am. If God gives it to you, you be faithful to pass it along. <laughs> hey, if God gives you $10 million, we'll still take the tithe. That's okay. I'd be happy if you know, God gave everybody $10 million. But I believe that the Lord really wants to sow something into this church. Not so we can have extravagant uh, uh, salaries. Not so that we can just build pretty buildings. But so we can affect things. Because I promise you, there's no greedy people on staff here. I guarantee you, the person that gives the most in this church, sitting right there. So if the Lord blessed this place with money, it would go right into the kingdom. And I'm just asking you to join with it because these are prayers we're already praying. Join with us. Join with us. And if we have to get that $10 million one dollar at a time, that's fine. We just need to find 10 million people. <laughs> Amen. So pray with us. Let's finish up here in verse 6. A multitude of camels shall cover you. I don't know if that's a blessing or not. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of our God. Here's expectation number six, and we finish with this. Expect testimonies. Expect testimonies of the awesome things God is doing in your life and through NCC. Expect testimonies. You know, expectation... That's really faith. That's really hope going towards faith. Have this expectation. Have this expectation. Some of you may not have heard this. But there was a couple of weeks ago over two services. We had five people born again. Amen. That's five people whose destiny changed. Five people. Expect testimonies. I want you to run in here and go, man, I led three people to the Lord last week. I got to pray with the cashier at Walmart. Hey, if you want to look, if, if you want a mission ground, go to Walmart. Okay? Go to Walmart. Every, every time I used to take the youth out and, and, and we'd go do ministry, we went to Walmart. Why? Because there's people just like me at Walmart. They need ministry. You can always find somebody to pray for at Walmart. 
Expect testimonies. Expect, expect, expect. Let that word just ring through your ears. Expect. As the guys are getting ready to, to, to serve communion, would you bow your head with me just a, just a second here? you a few questions and we're going to pray and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Are we expecting the glory and the presence of God to be evident at NCC? Are we expecting new people by praying and inviting them to join us? Are we helping to build that community that we always talk about by serving? Do we expect the unsaved to meet Jesus here at NCC? And are we expecting through prayer and through giving abundance in the finances here at NCC? I believe God has called this to be a revolutionary church. I really do. I believe the Lord's call on this church is to help people see things differently and do life differently. So Father, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would change the way that we think. Lord, change the way that we have perceived the way that we have acted. Lord, help us break small church mentality to be the church that you've called us to be. Lord, we ask right now that you would trust us with people that need to know Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would trust us with people that need to be discipled and brought up to serve you and to know you. pray that you would trust us with the finances that it's going to take to live out the God dream of New Covenant Church. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. We ask it expectingly, expectantly. And Lord, because we serve a revolutionary God, we want to remind ourselves of what He's done for us. Through the beautiful table of communion. So gentlemen, if you would go ahead and start to pass out the elements there. as you take the, the juice and the bread just stay in this, this reverent place of worship back at the beginning of the year the Lord had me on an extended time of fasting and prayer and every morning 
I took communion. And every morning, I just reminded myself of who he was, of what he had done for me, and who he was calling me to be. He's calling all of us to be servants. Remember that the the night of the Last Supper is the same night that Jesus says, pulled off his, his good clothes, wrapped himself in an apron, and washed his disciples' feet. Because he was a servant until the end. God that created you the God that created his disciples there on his knees washing their feet as we take this let him wash you let him wash you we all have have stuff in our lives at times You know, I know there's some churches that won't let you take communion unless you do business with God. And I want to do business with God, but I want you to take communion. We don't withhold from anybody. But as we're sitting here and we're in this place of worship, the Lord's just kind of poking at your heart a little bit. And you just need to say, Lord, make me clean. I want to be clean before you. And do that. You don't have to have a preacher lead you in a prayer. This is between you and your God. There's nothing wrong with a preacher leading you in prayer. I always have to hit both sides of that. But you can do business with your God right where you are. Right where you are. He's just about, just about got it. It's Robert Johnson slowing everything down. <laughs> Take the bread. Just hold it in your hand. Let's, let's hold it up to the Lord. You know, scripture tells us that as Jesus was doing this with his disciples, he said that he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Broken for you. Jesus was broken so you could be whole. Jesus was whipped so you could be well. And whether it's a physical sickness or sometimes it's... it's It's just stuff we're going through in life. As I take this personally, I want you to take this personally. And we're saying, Lord, I receive. 
I receive everything that you have for me in the name of Jesus. I receive the broken body. Healing in myself. Healing in my mind. Healing in my heart. Healing in my body. Whatever it is you need. I take this, Lord. And I believe it's not a magic wafer. But I'm doing it in remembrance of Him. So let's take this together. In the name of Jesus. Then it says he took the cup. Take your cup. Oh, do you know what this blood did? This blood changed everything. Although I'm deserving of all damnation, I'm deserving of everything that could be heaped upon me. It's because of the blood. It's because of the blood. And as we take this, remind yourself what He did for you. But then remind yourself of how many people are around us. All they need to know is they're forgiven. They don't need to be pointed at and told, told how bad they are. They don't, they don't need their sin pointed out. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We don't have to point out people's sin. I'm going to point out that it's been paid for. I'm going to point out that they're forgiven if they just receive it. So as we take this, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not leaving me in the hell of a mess I was in. Thank you for redeeming me and changing me. And Lord, as I take this, I refuse to be selfish with it. Lord, I'm asking for that one person. That one person that needs to know you. That one person that I can help bring into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, take it with me. Would you stand with me this morning? You guys are awesome. I'm so grateful for the church that the Lord has honored me to serve in. I love you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for everything that you do for the kingdom of God. But one last time, if you would just bow your heads and pray with me. I don't want to ever assume. I don't want to ever assume. I don't want to ever assume that somebody is right where they should be with Jesus. And I don't want to ever miss an opportunity of just saying, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody that rocked my life. Or sometimes we come to that place where we say, Jesus, I need you, but just life, just life happens. We drift away. So let's just take a moment and, and pray together. If you've never come to the place where, where you've asked Jesus to come invade your space, you realize, I can't do this on my own. I need a Savior. I need somebody. Or if you're in that place where it just feel like 
I've just grown cold. And I want that passion. I want that, that, that first love again. Or if you're just here this morning and you just say, Lord, I just want to take this opportunity to just recommit my heart and life to you. Let's pray together. Can we do that? If you would like to, just repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your broken body and blood. Thank you for dying for my sins. I don't understand how all this works, but I'm thanking you for changing me. I open up my heart. I open up my life. And I say, come in. Change me from the inside out. So I can be who you created me to be. In Jesus' name.